Dying Alive is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Penguin tickets, uh, prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Let's say you're traveling to New York. You're going to go see the Penguins play the Islanders. You're looking to get tickets as soon as you get there. You go to the Game Time app. You're worried that you're going to get one of those crazy basketball seats that gives you a restricted view of the ice. Don't worry because Game Time has in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section in the arena. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head on over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Ladies and gentlemen, I went to the pet store and I saw a monkey and it looked so cute and I brought it home, but it's super disruptive and now my wife wants to sell it. It's Dying Alive podcast and it's Krampus. It's Merry Christmas, Krampus time. We're going to talk about, the Penguins have only played two games, we'll talk about both of those. A little preview of what's to come down the pike and a celebration of all things holiday here on uh, Dying Alive. Jesse Marshall here of the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined as per usual by the following cast of suspects: Patrick Damp of thepensblog.com. Say hello, seasons of greetings to all the folks, Patrick. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Chrysler to whatever you celebrate. And it's the uh, Bell Schnickel of the podcast from pensburg.com, Mike Darnay. Mike, have you been admirable or impish this year? Um, so of those three words you just mentioned, I only know what one of them mean. <laughs> <laughs> impish it is. Sure. Um, isn't, that, isn't that one of the, uh, the enemies in the original Doom, imps? I don't know, but you know the original Doom had a solid soundtrack. You know, like the music was very ominous. That 8-bit uh, uh-huh. Megadeth? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was super synthy, though. Yeah, as every, everything, <laughs> was, everything was kind of synthy in that era. Um, and the monster, it was just, you know. <laughs> Dude, if you, if you were in the cartridge, you remember the cartridge was red? Yep. If you were a kid and you had Doom and your parents tell you by Doom, you were like the hardcore kid on the street. You're like, really fuck with that kid. He's got, he plays Doom. Well, like, you, I wish you guys wasn't a, around for my did, childhood because I had you know, Doom and everybody fucked with me anyway. <laughs> it's like, did you know he's allowed to play Doom at his house? Yeah. Dude, when I go to Mike's house, he's Doom. <laughs> Plus the name, Doom. It was just so <laughs> ominous. Can anyone – I don't – I'm going to be honest with you right now. Never beat Doom. I did not. I did not have Doom, nor did I beat Doom. Mike, you've never even seen the goddamn Goonies when it was surprising you beat Doom. So, I was really only asking Pat. <laughs> so I'm the only one of this podcast that has beaten Doom and Doom wow. 2. Let me tell you what, man. Here's the thing. It tests your patience. It do- Oh, dude, does it ever. Much like the Penguins injury situation. <laughs> Boom. They don't call me Jesse one take for nothing. This isn't Apparently a joke. Not. I'll be honest with you. Um... Let's get let's get to a debate. Can we have a debate right out of the gate? Is PBS Politico? Or I just may CNN going to uh, host it for us. No, I just uh, when Justin Schultz comes back. Uh, so because you're probably looking at a situation here where Sidney Crosby, I on the last podcast, cell phone, I on the last podcast, I said I thought that Sidney Crosby would play. In one of the back-to-backs against Nashville, mm-hmm. I think we could roll that out. Probably. There, I don't think is, that's going to happen. Is there a particular reason why? Is there something I, I missed? Well, well I there, has, I, there hasn't really been anything. There you go. Like, we haven't. Happening. Correct. And, like, there's not a lot of time between now and then. There's maybe one practice. What is he going to do? Go in that practice, take contact, and then play? I don't know if that's feasible. More than likely, he follows the team. On the road, takes takes hits, you know, gets himself a little work, 
physically and then maybe Ottawa is reasonable. Yeah, that's a week. That would be Monday. Yeah, that'd be a week from today. I probably got a little too quick to chomp at the bit there as far as uh, that uh, Nashville series. I also wanted to see him play against Nashville because the memories we all have of him just smoking that team. Uh, (laughs) um, I mean, I I never try to predict injuries injuries anymore, especially with Sid, because who knows? He could be back next week. He could be back in three weeks. He could be back. Who knows? Just whenever he gets here, he gets here. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the Belschnickel. Um, and bringing it back. Still, still don't know what that means. It's an office reference, Mike. Okay, Dwight uh, was the, they had they allowed Dwight to do his Christmas, and his Christmas was to play the role of Belschnickel. Belschnickel decided instead of whether you were good or bad, whether you were admirable or impish. I'd like to think I'll let admirable. you. Yeah. Eh. Eh. So wait, if we can. <laughs> oh, never mind. Never mind. Well, the genesis of this whole conversation was to question for you. Uh, when when Justin Schultz comes back, where do you put him right now? Uh, because I think we all can say with the utmost certainty that John Marino has legitimately developed into like one of the top ten defensemen in the National National Hockey League, uh, right underneath our noses. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely uh, he's in the conversation to be in the top four. That's for sure. I don't think there's any debate on that. What an arbitrary number, Patrick. Four. Does that mean he is number four? <laughs> Isn't he number six? But yeah. No, I, you know what I mean? Like if it's the top four and he's number three, you can just make it a top three. Or <laughs> conversely, you know, I mean, I see why if it, if he's, you know, I don't know. He, I don't think he's going to be on the third pairing is what I'm saying. Like, I think, oh, you mean top? I th- I'm talking about in the league, Patrick. Oh, oh, yeah, I, no, I, yeah, I knew you meant top ten in the league. Okay, he, I he thought Patrick was saying top four in the league. Oh no, no, no. Okay, on the we're good. Great show tonight. We're just we're on top of it, boys. Pre, Christmas is here. We're just you know, a couple rum and cokes. Just got. I'm going to shut up and let you talk now. Continue. Just just talk about John Marino and, and all this. <laughs> no, I just I think the way he's played. Uh, over the course of the season so far, he's top four, like period, end of story. If if you're putting him on the third pairing at this point, you're underutilizing him. He needs to be either on the first pair with Chris Letang or he's got to be on a second pair with some mix of Justin Schultz and Marcus Pedersen. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. I mentioned something on Twitter. I'll get your takes about this. Uh, here's a little history on John Marino for you. Uh, average in college, really, you know, 36 games, right? Um, Harvard, that would be really, you know, for the last two years. The most he's ever played uh, in a season is 56 games. Uh, That was in Tri-City in 2016. Um, Is there concern about a, a, a falling off? And do you put John Marino on a pitch count? To try to prevent that, I don't think so. And I think we talked about this previously. It might have been like two or three weeks ago, or maybe even last week. I don't remember. But I know we talked about how the schedule is a little bit more spread out than it is in the college, <clears throat> the college game where they do those two or three games in a weekend often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to build on that, I know we talked about it an episode or two ago. Same thing. The NHL game is a lot more structured than, say, the college game from top to bottom. When you talk about bottom pairing defensemen, bottom line forwards in college hockey, these guys aren't as good, skilled, or structured as National Hockey League players, so it's really unpredictable. When you get to the NHL, everybody plays within a structure fairly well or they're not in the lineup. And I think that mixed with the fact that he's going to get high-level nutrition, high-level recovery, high-level workouts throughout the NHL is going to help him adapt to having to play more than 50-plus games a year. Mm. Yeah, and I think that there is an element of uh, playing the, the – I'll put it like this, right? If you're a defenseman, Pat, that can't hold a gap or – you're turning the puck over. You're exerting way more energy to play catch up in those situations. Like a forward turns you around, right? Now you got to turn and exert all that energy to play catch up, right? 
Um, you turn the puck over. You go from playing offense to defense in a hurry. You've got to turn, pivot, you know, reaccelerate. John Marino's got that like, and I hate to beat a dead horse here, but that like very Paul Martin esque tempo and pace to his game, where he always kind of looks like he's not really exerting all that much energy, and he's just sort of out there and you know doing his thing. And and, and maybe maybe there's something to that. Maybe that's why he's able to play the minutes he is, and it doesn't really get tired well let me let me add this it's funny that paul martin wore seven and brian dumoulin wears eight and then john marino wears six because here's the thing he is a seven eight nine he (laughs) he is a very solid hybrid in my view of paul martin and brian dumoulin he has the puck moving ability of paul martin and the positional knowledge that Brian Dumoulin has. There you go. Yeah, that's good. It's good comparison. Very rarely do you see John Marino out of position. We can say the same thing about Brian Dumoulin. Brian Dumoulin is a very positionally sound defenseman. He knows where to be. He knows how to keep guys to the outside. If he's in the offensive zone, he's following the play correctly, whether it's coming to the middle or covering the wall or backing off. You can see the same thing in John Marino's game. Paul Martin had a really good first pass out of the defensive zone, and from what I've seen with John Marino so far, same thing. Whether it's to the winger or to the center curling for support, John Marino always gets that first pass out of the defensive zone right where it needs to go, and that was a very big thing Paul Martin did. Soapbox. Uh, if you gentlemen would like to yield time to the uh, <coughs> uh, senator from the athletic. By all means. I yield my take, time back. <laughs> this won't take long. Um, we talk about expected goals all the time. But maybe you're listening to this show and you're saying, I have absolutely no goddamn idea of what that means. Can I, can I lift I, like, my hand and ask a question in class? Yeah. I'm one Are of you those- asking a question or is that your question? No, I actually have a question. Okay. I'm one of those people. Please explain to me what expected goals are. I'm great. I can't, I can't wait to do this. Um, anyway, we talk about expected goals all the time. Uh, and expected goals is just a way of looking at the quality of the shots or scoring chances or whatever you want to call it, the offense that's happening when a player's on the ice. And that's in either direction. So we can, we can look at that both offensively and we can look at it defensively. We can look at it as a share, like a plus minus. All these shots, right? Shot types, rebounds, breakaways, one-timers, odd man rushes, they all have a weight, right? Some are more likely to go in than others. That's what we're looking at. So we could look at regular old you know, Joe Schmo scoring chance numbers, but those are just rates. Scoring chances are just like here's a number of things that happen, whereas expected goals are like, hey, those scoring chances, right? Here they are, but then also – uh, here's they were really good, right? Or they maybe they weren't actually that good at all. Uh, yeah. So so like wrist shot from the slot has more value than slap shot from the point per se. Exactly. That and that's exactly what it is. Or how about a two one zero, the one that Tristan Jari saved uh, in Calgary? That's that's insane, right? Does, like, does the ex- fact that it was Milan Lucic make it a zero point zero expected goal? Uh, no, because we're still looking at the shot itself, know, right? I mean, the quality of the two and yeah. but that's funny. That's a funny joke, and I don't want to rob that from you. Um, oh, oh right. yes. So, so essentially, Milan Lucic is a, a breaker of expected goals. Probably, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> amongst other things, uh, the point I'm trying to make is is that the John Marino is now like among defensemen that have played 200 minutes at least in the NHL is your leader in expected goals against, right? So that means like, as far as the shot quality coming the penguins way when he's on the ice, it's poo, it's crap. He's throwing a wet blanket over it. That to me is the highest compliment you could give a defensive because at the end of the day, guys, stopping goals is a, is a goalie's job. Once the puck leaves the stick of a forward, there's not a lot else a defenseman's going to do. Sure, they could make a diving, you know, fantastic, you know, Scuderi-esque glove save in the crease, but those are one in a million. You know, yeah, that's, so, that's not every so day. If so if when he's on the ice, he is completely limiting the expected goals number down, then their chances of scoring are so low that you're either going to get it, goals that are going in are either going to be bad goaltending or 
a really nice goal. Amen. Yeah, there you go. Right. Or not not even so much that, Mike. Not even so much that. Think of it this way is that take take that equation out of it, right? Where like don't think of this from the perspective of like shooting percentages or like a player's ability to finish or goaltenders. Let's assume all of that stuff is just average. Right? Let's assume all things were equal in the front of of player values and goalie values. We're just looking at the quality of the chance itself. So what we're saying here is that John Marino, you know, those odd man rushes, those, we're talk, he's allowing a lot of innocuous nonsense. Yeah. You know, not one-timers here. We're talking regular old Joe Schmo plays from the slot that the goaltender can see and react Yeah, to. Your, your shots where guys are putting a puck on net just to put it on net. With yeah, the, run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah, run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah. Where they, they get in the zone and decide to put it on net because there's nothing else they can do with it. He jumped over Brian Dumoulin, who um, is hurt and obviously not playing. Chris Letang is in the hunt there um, alongside him. Um, but he's he's been the class of the field. Now that's one metric in a sea of metrics. So you don't look at that and unequivocally say John Maroon is the best player on the team. That's it's one thing we need to just acknowledge. There's we can look at the video and try to explain the why behind it. You know, I I, I think we're just this stuff becomes competitive for so many people. Yeah. We want to list it as a stack ranking, right? Yeah. But if but if there's only a you know a half an expected goal difference between the best defenseman and the worst defenseman on the team and they're all really good, that's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have, and now you're you're just pissing in the wind. So now, um, question: your, your original question was where do you put Justin Schultz? Yeah, I I don't sacrifice. I, don't my, I think what I would say is I don't sacrifice the time of John Marino to to give yeah. Justin Schultz. And, and and you know it's a contract year, so there's going to be that. I think I, we got to play him. We want to give him his time because he's not going to resign. I don't think the Penguins are going to trade him. I think he's here and he's, and he's gone. I think this he's you know, going to get a, a big payday somewhere. Trevor Daly situation, so to yeah. speak. So, um, yeah. So I, I, just, I mean, my, I think, he'll still get his time on the power play when he comes back. Yeah. There's um, there's always this bizarre air of mystery around Evgeny Malkin and how people treat him. Whereas I think this podcast, I don't want to speak for the both of you, would say that Evgeny Malkin is just one of the best forwards in the league all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. really all there is to it. Um, that We have to have the discussion here, though, about what happens with these lines, right? Because right now this Rust, Malkin, and uh, Gensel line is insane. I wrote an article on The Athletic that since Crosby came out of the lineup on November 9th, no forward in the league has been better than Evgeny Malkin, not even Brian Rust who's been pretty darn good. Uh, do you split that line up? Do you give Jake Gensel back to Sidney Crosby? I do. And it's, I, I think. I do what, though? I give Gensel back to, back, okay. back to Sid. I'm with I just, you I just think because it's a classic case of don't fix what isn't broken. Like, and I mean, hey, if, you know, we go three, four games and all of a sudden, weird. Crosby Gensel isn't working. We can just go, here you go, Gino. Have him back. And yeah. because Sid is Sid, I'm sure whoever we put on his wing will, might not might not do too bad. Well, here's the thing. I always make the Andy Hilbert reference. So Yeah, I was in the middle of taking your a drink. Point. Yep. <laughs> what are you drinking there, Patrick, tonight? What do you got? Rum and Coke. It's holidays. Wow. The Mike Darnay classic. Which I'm not. Which I am not drinking. Wow, tonight. Michael, what do you have a white Russian? No, so um, I was gifted some apple pie moonshine. I remember you mentioning this. So um, from what I was told, uh, the moonshine was made and distilled to like a legit 190 proof grain alcohol, and then it was mixed with some apple cider and some apple juice, some cinnamon stick, your typical spices there, mm. and. Um, was told that it comes to about 80 proof. So it's like sipping on a rum as far as alcohol content goes, but it tastes like apple pie and you can't taste the alcohol. I have got an old pro go say tonight. I don't. Very good choice. Christmas sour. Oh, baby. Christmas sour. I told you guys pre-show, I came so very close to buying the Game of Thrones scotch when I was at the liquor store. What kind of flavors are in that Christmas uh, it's based on – it's a really kind of a ginger base. Okay. Sour. I like it. Devontae Adams just fumbled. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ouch. As I told the guys, uh, we're going to just loop everybody in here before the show. I'm embroiled in a bitter 
we're talking down to the decimal point right now, fantasy football final, and that fumble uh, is a dagger straight into my gut. How many minus points is a fumble? That's a two. That's Ooh. a two. I, I know, yeah. So that has basically negated the points he gained on his last couple catches. Correct. Yeah, and your boy is now trailing. Um. To boot on the Sidney Crosby thing, I agree. I would give Gensel back to um, uh, to Crosby. Um, I, 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 I've got a Jones in for Brandon Tanev in the top six. I got a fever for more ice time for Brandon Tanev. I, I feel like he's kind of earned earned a shot at it. It's that motor, man. You know, yeah. his ability to forecheck and separate. Draw penalties. Um, yeah, that, that's what you want. I mean, you want with a guy like a Crosby or a Malk and that space creator. People are going to poo-poo that. They're going to be like, oh, we did put a bunch of scores there. That works too. But I, there's a role out there for what Brandon Tanev does. In well, my the people that are poo-pooing that, please, gather around. Let's, ha- let's have a chat. Let's have a chat, shall we? For those that can't see here, Pat is making a gather around motion. Yes, gather around. Gather around yeah. me, friends. It's the holidays. Let's tell a story. Fireside chat here. Can we admit that you don't have to have the EA Sports NHL 20 perfect line where playmaker in the middle, sniper on the left, sniper on the right? Like, Or if it's ice hockey, like, you know, a fatty, a skinny, and two moves, you know? <laughs> exactly, Jesse. Exactly. <laughs> But the thing is, there is an inherent value in the things people like Brandon Tanev do. Do not add us. We know we said we don't like his contract. It's the length of time, not the money. Hold on to your ammo for that. There is a value in him freeing up space for people like Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. Same thing can be said for Dominic Simone. I didn't hear a lot of people bitching back in the day when Pascal Dupuis or Chris Kunitz was freeing up space for Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. Oh no, they weren't scoring a ton of goals, but they were freeing up space for the other two that were playing on the line. That's what Brandon Tanev does. That's what Dominic Simone does. We're done here. Case closed. All right. We'll see you later. Um, I'll say this though. The Dominic Simone effect, you know, that quote unquote effect, uh, has not quite been there this year. It hasn't. Um, it hasn't that, been as good, but he is still doing things well. I don't disagree. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying. Yeah, no, I'm not taking him out of the lineup or anything here. Um, but I mean, there's obvious room for improvement. I mean, a you've got to finish some of those wide open, obvious chances that they have to go in. I'm not even. Let's let's not nitpick here. I'm not talking about like you know cross crease, you know compromised one timers. I'm talking like you're in the crease. there's nobody there you know like boom um and that's got to change and then i I, you know that's going to affect everything else when you get that finish in people start to respect you a little bit more you loosen the stick up everything else comes together so look i'm not saying that the whole picture is not important it is um to your point it's it's not been bad i think that the just, just it's not what it was last year. He's not, he, the yeah. the main thing is he's not above criticism, and there are legitimate criticisms to be made of him right now. Right on. Let's move it. Uh, you know what we didn't do, guys, is talk about these games uh, <laughs> the Penguins just played. No, we really didn't. <clears throat> um, I, let, let's go. I think the, the the meteor one here is because the Vancouver one, which we'll get to the uh, you know Mike Sullivan. Um, uh, meltdown about officiating there. Um, you know, that was pretty important. Um, <laughs> uh, but that Edmonton I'm, win, I'm laughing thought, because of your transcription of it. Oh, yeah. I thought that the Edmonton win was very thorough, though. Yeah. And, I mean, as I said a week ago, half a week ago, whenever it was, I was happy with – I think I was, I think I said I would have been happy with a split from those last two after winning the Calgary game. So I stand by that. Well, I'll tell you what, they I don't know about you guys, but um in that Vancouver game, and speaking of those splits, Pat, they look they looked kind of beat to me. <clears throat> the penalties aside, you know, they, they never really got a chance to get into the flow of the game, but they also looked they were on the second leg of a back to back in their West Coast road trip. Yeah, second a back to back, three road games, two time zone changes. It's it's not surprising. No. And I and and 
I didn't I didn't see anybody, you know, coming for Matt Murray for that game, but I just wanted to, you know, chop the head off the monster before it came out. And basically what I was saying the other day was just like this was an absolute perfect storm of bad situation for Matt Murray to come into. Mm-hmm. Like basically, you know, it's a tough night for him to come back. You know, it's second half back to back. The team essentially in Vancouver took the first period off. They didn't get a shot on goal. Like it's pretty much a definition of taking a period off. And yeah, he wasn't great, but we also have to keep in mind hadn't really played in a couple weeks. Like it's hard to get into a groove when you hadn't played for a couple weeks and Couple that in with the fact that they've had injuries over the past month and we're into December, you have to play the hot hand, which has been Tristan Jari, because you can't give away points. So it's just, it, it's the devil's flip of a coin for him. I'm going to say two things that I feel are true. And I agree with what you just said, by the way. But I'm going to say two things in addition to that that I feel are true right now. Uh, specific to the Vancouver game. And I don't remember if it was the second or the third goal, and I would think it was the third goal with a bad rebound. Yes, um, Besser. That was the only one that uh, I really felt like he left out there, to be honest. And and considering how under siege they were, um, you know, in the early portion of that game, and especially in the early portions of the, the, the penalties and the penalty trouble they got into, he made some unreal saves. To at least allow them to hang around there and to shorten some of that Vancouver penalty time. Um, so I, I think that's true. I also feel, and I say this as just an observer of the game, I don't feel comfortable when he's in there right now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's like a leftover residual from Tristan Jari being so good. That like you you watch Tristan Jarrett and you've got that sense that like he really is in control of it. I think but maybe yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think to build on what you're saying, it's a little column A, it's a little column B, right? Like Jari has been so above expectation that your your mindset goes to ah the goaltending's fine. We're gonna worry about this. We're good. And there's also the column B of like for Murray, he hasn't played in a while. And he was struggling before Jari went in, so he's not really finding a time to get back to his groove. And that's kind of what I was hinting at, was the sense that, you know, <clears throat> Crosby's hurt, Dumont's hurt, a lot of injuries left and right. And when you get, like, if it was October or if it was February and you had a playoff spot locked up, you can say, hey, listen, we just stick to the process. We'll do whatever we got to do and get to the next level we got to get to. But you're in a, a point of the season right now where points are at a premium and you have to play the hot hand. And that is really a deterrent for Murray to get back on track because you just can't give up points. There's so, no time to experiment. Right. So here's the thing I was going to eventually – I, I said it on Twitter – I said it on Twitter and I'm going to, I build to it now is say we get to mid January, early February and the team's healthy to moderately healthy. Sullivan has to look at Murray and go, you got the next five games go. I'm not even that Pat. I mean, I don't even have to be five games straight in a row. I mean, I, 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 here's the other thing too, Pat. They're never going to be in a position. This division is never going to be in a position where they can afford to just, let him figure it out for five games. No, no, no. I, I don't think that like they'll have a run where they'll be so comfortable. It's just the fact that like once you know the team is back to good or moderate health and you feel a little more confident in the roster in front of you and you don't have to just rely on the hot hand, you can maybe say like, okay, listen, we got the majority of the troops ready to go. Yeah. Matt Murray's in the net. And I still think if if he does well moving into the second, third month of 2020, whether it's February, March, 
I still think he's their goalie going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what happens with Tristan Jari, you know. And I only say this because history says that Mike Sullivan is going to stick with the one that's playing the best hockey. And I think that I got this question on Twitter the other day. Somebody DM'd me, and I and I answered it right away. But I not right away, but I did pause to think about it. They were like, "What happens if this lasts like all the way into like March?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, like it creates a serious." question for the goaltending like you know as far as the coaching is concerned like who do you play and they're like that's not what I meant and I was like what did you mean and they said do you think about Tristan Jari for the Vezina and I was like I mean no no because ultimately he didn't play enough right but like what if he what if he starts the majority the rest of the year and ends with like a 179 goals against average and a 960 save percentage I still don't think it happens because that's just not how it works. I know. That's what I said. But it's like, I mean, it, it's it was like, like, damn, like, what's a good question? You know, it's like, like you if John least... Marino plays the way he has played for the rest of the season, should be in, he be in conversation with Norris? Sure, but there's it's like, not going to happen. There's yeah. like five or six guys who everybody pre decide they want to vote on and then they pick amongst them. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I also think if if it gets to that point, we find ourselves in the 2017 situation to where, okay, well Jari's pl- Jari's hot moving into the playoffs, play him, and if he falters for a game or two, hey, we got Matt Murray sitting right here. Now that's contingent on if he plays a few ga- Murray plays a few games and looks good. Here's another thing to consider, Pat. If you want to wait the performances in Matt Murray or whatever, like undoubtedly his best performances have been in the playoffs. I agree. And we're also talking for this season, strictly Jekyll and Hyde, October, tremendous, November, atrocious, like, yeah, December incomplete because we haven't seen him play. Yeah, But, but it, like I was saying, it's because the, the, the roster's so banged up that you got to go with the hot hand because you can't give away points. Right. And that's not You're, even really an indictment on him. It's just more of a praise of Jari. Um, uh, we mentioned that we've got the boxing game day, um, boxing, boxing game day, day. boxing game yeah, day. Let's boxing go game day on dying a lot. Uh, we have the game on boxing day. That's Nashville. And then Friday against Nashville and then senators on Monday. Um, none of those teams are particularly good, but they're all really annoying. Yeah. Well, you got to figure you go two or three. You have to go two or three on that. You, you split with Nashville, and if you don't beat Ottawa, it's, it's, great. <clears throat> it's weird that they have a home-and-home home with not a division team. Yeah. Not even a conference team. Right. Right. Also, Ottawa has the, as I've been pushing for the last few episodes, the player that the Penguins need to trade for. Who is? Anthony Duclair. Interesting. I am split here. We might as well, before we get into around the league, let's let's talk about rumors. Okay. It's not just Fleetwood Mac's best album. Um, <laughs> and this, But these aren't rumors because these aren't based in reality at all. These are our what-ifs. I guess, how about this, guys? Our Christmas uh, trade wish list. Oh, there we go. Let's do it. I can't I, – I, and I've started to study this in terms of – especially from a data perspective. Uh, Tyler Toffoli and the Penguins would be unbelievable. And I just don't think he would be that expensive. Probably not. But he's the kind of player to me that could be the the ingredient, a Carl Hagelin-esque ingredient or the straw that perhaps maybe stirs the drink a bit. Is he a UFA? I don't know the answer to that question. I'm looking right now. The other one, and an interesting conversation uh, with Josh Yohe, this resurfaces. Jason Zucker, apparently. Back on that train. Is, Jim Rutherford is, you know. It's, it's I mean, th- I have nothing to do with your conversation with Josh, but. Well, that was the whole thing. But I was going to say when Jim Rutherford has his eye on a player, he kind of doesn't waver from it. He'll Amen circle, to that. He'll circle It'll back take four years. or five times. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I'll tell you this. Oh, um, he, he signed Jack Johnson 12 years after he traded him from Carolina. And drafted him. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this to you guys. The other thing about that is I, I you know, I've not watched a ton of uh, Jason Zucker this year, but I know he's got to be better than Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Toffoli is 27 years old, $4.6 million cap hit UFA after this season. Yeah, he won't be expensive considering he's a UFA at the end of the year and he's making what he's making. It's not hard to move a sub $5 million a year contract for a yeah, and, and UFA. It's a, and if you and if you It's an look, LA team who's probably just looking for an asset of some sort. And, but consider this. He's only 27 years old. Yeah. Justin Schultz is gone. You move in Nick Bugstad. That's suddenly like... You can keep him. Yeah. Hey, we'll sign you to a three-year deal till you're 30 yeah. and yeah. let you go figure it out. And, and, that. Then, and then you can cash in when you're 30 somewhere else. I, I, I Let me put it to you like this. I like the forechecking, the tenacity, and, and sort of the, the that element of approach. He, he's kind of a, he's a he's a pest in a way, but, but it can still flat-out play. It, exactly, and he's not completely inept offensively by any means. Um, and he's a he's a driver of play. Yeah, like and if you put him with other guys that are driving play, all of a sudden it's like, oh shit! You know, I, this, I kind of works. feel like he's almost like Matthew Kachuk light, where he's a pest, but he can still play. I mean, but like I, at the same time, oh, go ahead, Pat. No, no, no. Finish your thought because I was going to talk about something different. At the same time, I love the technical the technical approach of Jason Zucker. Yeah, he is a technician, guys. He he's not Phil Kessel, but he there's a role he can bring that can get you a little something right now that you don't have. They don't have a guy who could score points like Jason Zucker can. They don't. It was out. It was supposed to be Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah. And, and if you and, look, and if you look at one more thing, if you look at Sean Tierney's chart right now in terms of like pace of play and controlling play, the Penguins are elite defensively, but they're real close to becoming dull offensively. Mm-hmm. You watch where they're going on that chart. They're moving left, and their offensive performance, granted they don't have Crosby, et cetera, et cetera, it's just becoming less exciting, and a guy like that, or really either one of them, can, can be like a charge of, of electricity. And that's kind of what I was just going to say. I said if we're talking one or the other, I'm indifferent on which one. I'm good with either, whichever one, can they can make it work. Yeah, and I think the exciting thing too, Pat, is the hockey pieces they have to make it work. I stand by that I think they should call Ottawa for Anthony Duclair. Oh, no. I, hey, let me just be fair to you. If that happened, I wouldn't be upset about it at all. Here, Here's part of the reason I think why. One, I think he's a guy who has been moved a couple times in his career, right? Like, mm-hmm. and rightly or wrongly, you never give a, a guy who gets moved that many times a chance to develop. He's been in New York. He's been in Arizona. He's been in Columbus. Now he's in Ottawa. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that he has played 324 games, you know how old Anthony Duclair is? Can I guess? Go for it. 23. 24. I was going to say 24. In 324 NHL games, Anthony Duclair has 77 goals, 75 assists for 152 points. Mm. For a 24-year-old left winger, that's not horrible. No, it's not bad. It's not quite elite, but it's a guy that you would want on your team. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and, And again... Uh, regardless of the situation, you look at LA, Minnesota, or even Ottawa, right? And, and maybe with Ottawa, they're going to want a little bit more on the developmental side. But I, I think that with the Nick Bugstads or you know any number of guys that, that you Penguins have that they're listing themselves as quote unquote spare parts, other teams are going to have interest there, right? Well, and here's here's part of the reason I think that Ottawa is a good trade partner especially for somebody like Alex Galchenyuk. You look at Ottawa right now this year. It's the island of misfit toys, right? Mm. Like, it's Anthony Duclair scoring 30 points this year. 21 goals, 
Nine assists. 21 goals already for Anthony Duclair. Kind of a big deal. Sure. But you look at the rest of their roster. You guys like Vladislav Domestikov, Chris Tierney, Brady Kachuk, Logan Brown, Mark Borieski, Thomas Shabbat. Like, it's good players that in a low-pressure situation are good. Mm-hmm. What can they do when you send them off to a team that wants to win? And then you look at their projected cap space. It's only about $5 million, but if you move out a guy like Duclair and you bring back a guy like Galchenyuk, who is a good rehab project for a place like Ottawa where you can just say, listen, you don't need to burn the world down here. Produce consistently Get yourself back on track. We'll find a place for you. And I think if I'm Rutherford, I'm saying like Ottawa's a team that's just looking for picks and prospects. And they've already got a ton of picks in the 2020 draft. And they have a solid amount of picks in 2021. So realistically, you could look at them and say, hey, you're good to go on 2020 in the draft, right? Let's talk draft 2021. Because you're still going to be looking to build that farm system. Mm. We're looking to win a Stanley Cup. We got picks in 2021. Like, you look at the Penguins' 2021 draft, they have all but their fourth round pick, uh, fourth and sixth round pick, and then they have two in the seventh. So they got picks to burn. And I um, think you can make a move to get a guy like him. Yeah. Well said, Patrick. Um, Michael putting the rundown, another little tidbit about Liverpool here. Nobody gives a shit, Mike. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, excuse me. No team, excuse me. I, I read, excuse here's, me. Yes. Club World Cup. Thank you. I read a statistic today, Michael, that will encourage you. Are you prepared to hear it? Sure. Devontae Adams just dropped a touchdown. That wasn't the statistic, I, but I'm <laughs> real pissed about it. Um, <laughs> the statistic was, uh, Michael, that at no team – um, with the point clearance that Liverpool has right now, has ever not won the Premier League. Well, if there is a team to do it, they will find a way. Why do you say that? Just that seems to be the consensus from everyone. Am it's, I wrong in saying that West Ham's next match is against Liverpool? I don't know. Let's check. I'm just going to do a quick Google. Here. Is it on Boxing Day? It is. No, that you know what? It was postponed because Probably of the cup. because of the Club World Cup. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, we that one's going to have to be replayed. Okay, um, with that being said, um, I'm fiending for some of those beats. Please feed them down my way. All right, uh, let's see. We've got a good bit here. Uh, Matt Cause asks... People always talk about the worst Christmas songs, but which do you think is the best? All I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey. It's good. Um, Overplayed, though. Overplayed. Overplayed, but worth it being overplayed. It's good. (sighs) Mm, Best. Um, I like Father Christmas from the Kinks. If you guys could see the level of thought Jesse has right now, it's. I think it's. I think mine's going to be. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. The Bing gold is it? What Bing? The Bing Crosby version. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a classic. It's got that good intro. Mm -hmm. It always reminds me of the Home Alone scene. I was just going to say this. Yeah. I did the conversion, by the way, in in Home Alone two. Kevin McAllister, if you convert uh, for inflation from ninety two to twenty. 19 would have spent $1,743.68 on room service. <laughs> <laughs> you seen that movie, Mike, Home Alone 2? I have. Okay. Wow. I like the original better, but I have seen it. Uh, Zach T asks, uh, well, Morf says, that w- war seems to be an indicator for wins added by rostering a player. Does that metric work in inverse meaning when subtracted if that player is absent? I believe it's a sincere question. 
Well, I don't know the answer you, to that. Yeah, you, I, I, can, that's on you, Jesse. I got nothing. Well, here's theoretically speaking, right? Because you could look it, te- at, it technically stands for wins above replacement, right? Exactly. So war is specifically in hockey is wins above replacement. So what I'm saying is, is you could you could look at war as a rate, okay, and then project what you would lose from a player in the time he was absent based on that rate. That's probably your best way of doing it. So the answer is kind of. <laughs> the answer is is sort of yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean you can quantify it, yeah, for sure. Um I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Simon Wilkstrom asks, what are your dream acquisitions this season, realistically speaking? I think we kind of went over that. Although I think those were more realistically than a dream. I mean, Dream was Taylor Hall, and he's off the market. Yeah. And and I don't think the Penguins really have the pieces to go big game hunting elsewhere. Agree. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Jeremy asks, it seems clear now that Jari is the number one goalie. I assume he means for now at the time. At what point, though, do you distinguish where Murray is messing up and where his team is letting him down. For example, the extended PK he had to face. Well, I think at the end of the day, and what Mike Buckley um, is going to do is just fix, strictly focus on mechanics yeah, and the controllables of the situation. Because Yeah, so, I mean, you do what you can do to control the situation, and then if your mechanics are good, but the team's still allowing eight power plays a game or something, then you deal with that. Right on. As you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have much to add. He just, I, I, we said it already. You got to play the hot hand right now with all the injuries, and Murray can't control that. Uh, Brad asks, "Did any of you read Greg Wyshynski's 100 Players of the Decade piece? Any thoughts?" Yeah, I did. I did not. So I, he did give a link to it, but I didn't have time to read it. No, and no. I mean, it's it, it's. Par for the course. There's. I, mean, I saw Sidney Crosby got number one. That was all I saw. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for the most part, it's good. Like, there's no real uh, worthwhile arguments there. Like, I think one of the only ones you can maybe make an argument for is that McDavid's in the top five. But I think if you think about it, like, of the players that are on that list, like, McDavid would still be way up there regardless. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Cuccinelli asks, what should the Penguins' lines be when Crosby returns? If there are no more injuries, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, we also kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, but but I, I think we were all in agreement that putting Gensel back with Crosby makes the most sense, at least at first. I can't wait for Patrick Hornquist to come back. Oh, I know. Yeah, they need him back real bad. I want I want Gensel. I want uh Sorry, Hornquist on the third line. And especially if, if they can afford him the time to get fully healthy. Hey, can I give a shout-out to how good Zach Aston Reese has been defensively yeah, this year? Yeah, Anybody else see uh, Evolving Wilds? Uh, yeah, arguably the best defensive player in the league. I touched on this, guys, last week too. Like these, The, the impact the Penguins are getting, we talked about it on the podcast. It's not that the system's different. It's just got better players. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – it's like Zach Aston Reese had a rocky start to his career in Pittsburgh, mainly because he got rocked by Tom Wilson in that playoff series. Um, got any more stone words you want to use to describe the situation, Mike? I do not. Rock, <laughs> rocked. Uh, I it's a real avalanche of... <laughs> yeah, he's just out here throwing stones. Anyways, really stuck um, between a rock and a hard place. Anyways, I was going to say he wasn't a Hobie Baker Award finalist for no reason. All right, amount of amount of rocks. I've I've climbed the. Uh, You've climbed to the highest mountain. Yeah. Uh, bold midwinter asks. You guys remember the aggro crag? Yeah, absolutely, yep. dude. Did you did you not as a kid sit there and think like God damn it I could do so much fucking better than these kids? <laughs> it, I was uh, like, see, I was. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift different different TV game here, but how about when the idiot couldn't put the monkey together on Legends of the Hidden Temple? Yo, did you guys see it's coming back? Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not. I gotta be honest, Pat. I'm not hyped about uh, it. They, they, I, when they couldn't put it together, you're like, what are you doing? 
Here's the thing, man. Like, they always kill the things that I love. I, listen, <laughs> I know they do, but, like, I gotta hold out hope for Like, Indiana one. Jones and fucking Crystal Skull. I gotta hold out hope for one. Let this one work. Please, universe. <laughs> um, let's see. Bold Midwinter asks... Yo, by when... the way, can I just real quick... I want... <laughs> I can't even say this without cracking up. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm choking on my beer. I want a Melissa Joan Hart reboot. Clarissa explained. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's working in hindsight. Clarissa explained it all. And yeah, and just, I want it's just her look. It's just like her looking. At you. It's basically the How I Met Your Mother of kids shows. Like it's her Dude, looking back, like telling a story. I'm talking to her kids. Ferguson, Sam, neighbor. Na- I was gonna say neighbor. Neighbor coming through the window. All of them. All of them. Uh, that's, bold, that's the content I need. Bold Midwinter asks, when does the organization start seriously preparing for the post-Crosby and Malkin era? That's oh. really hard to say, like, because we've seen it with so I many mean, players. Like, when does it drop off? You just can't put a timeline on it. Day zero, that's the answer. Yeah. Uh, let's see. John Hill asks, favorite Christmas present you received I think mine was a PlayStation 2 with NHL hits. Dude, I miss NHL hits. Nintendo 64, Ocarina of Time. I was going to say, back in the day, the original PlayStation 1 was completely unexpected. Completely caught us off guard. I'll be corny here. Um, I I really don't have a ton of, like, quote-unquote memorable gifts. Favorites for me were always when I would get Penguins tickets and I can go to games with my dad. But, like, I just – I really enjoy holidays a little bit more just for, like, hanging out with family and making fun of one another and busting balls for a whole day. Like, that's really what I enjoy most. Uh, similar question, which this also fits here, Pat, from Drew Dunn. Best Penguins-related gift you got? He mentions a 2009 Crosby third alternate blue jersey. I got a book when – I was like, it was either right as I was in like my freshman year of high school, or right before my freshman year of high school. It was like a, basically a coffee table book, but it was like a quick history of the Penguins, mm. like 150, 200 pages. But it was perfect because like I had my like childhood idealistic version of the penguins like they won in 91 and they won in 92 and then some stuff happened. And then here's Sidney Crosby. Like, so, like, I could kind of, like, go back and get a better idea of, like, everything on the organization pre-90. Um, this is tough. But I have a piece of art in my in my home today that I got. I have to guess, guys, 2006 or 2005. It is a eagle. Um, what do they fucking call it? A bird islands, right? Bird islands from the press view of Mellon Arena downward. Fisheye, fisheye. Thank you, Michael. Um, of downward from the press area mm-hmm. of all the the stands at Mellon yeah. Arena for the opening face off when Lemieux came out of retirement. That's pretty sweet. Um, in December, and I still like. It's in the middle of my living room. It's like the focal point of any home I'll ever own in my life. So, uh, and with regards to that Lemmy return, we're coming up on the anniversary of that. Um, I, uh, we're all going to talk more about it. We've got a little something coming, memories, things of that nature. Um, I've got a fun anecdote about how information traveled pre pre internet. Um, the story, well, we'll save it. Anyway, next question, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jeff asks, what was the best contract for the Penguins in salary cap history? So we're talking since 2005. Sidney Crosby's the one he's on right now. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You you can say that, but it's with the hindsight of the salary cap going up because it did take up a solid percentage, but you're not wrong. So, okay, so what if if we narrow this down to – 
one of their best well, free agent contract signings. Okay, because I was going to say, like, I'll, I'll cede you that, Pat, if you want to call it a cop out, and I'll give you Chris Letang then. Oh, yep. Yeah, let, let's go with somebody they either traded for or signed as a free agent. Instead. I'll throw Kessel. Because I would the one point two million they got Toronto to retain. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that on the last show too. I would um, say Pascal Dupuis was good because he had so many five on five points that he was actually worth more than what he signed for. Good point. Yeah, Chris Kunitz um, is another one. He ended up being traded, but the the five times five James Neal contract they signed him to after trading for him. Yeah, because he was worth. He like if you think about what he did, he was worth a lot more. I mean, he scored 40 goals right after uh, – that was the year they signed that contract, right? Signed the contract mid-year, then he went on to score 40. They signed it mid-year, but he was already at like 25, maybe even yeah. 30 when they signed him to it. Hey, I'll give you guys one right now, Jake Gensel. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, if I had to pick a free agent signing, it didn't end up working out because the team stunk that year. I mean, relatively speaking. Um, but the way they kind of swooped in with Christian Ehrhoff after Buffalo bought him out for that one-year deal was really good. Yeah, that that wasn't a bad deal, assuming he would have stayed it was healthy. Like, it was like one year, four million or something. I mean, whatever it was, they got him at way below market rate for yeah. what he should Yeah, because he was getting a buyout from Buffalo. Um, let's see. Lawnberry asks why it's not crazy for some of us, meaning him, to want Jari over Murray long-term. Bonus points for not mentioning two Stanley Cups. Sample size. Easy answer. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, it, if... It's been like a month. It, I mean, if it keeps up, if it keeps up, I'm all for... I've taken shits playing. longer than this. Hang on. I got I got a good uh, sport to sport comparable. How do we all feel about Devlin Hodges a month a month ago? Ah, that's really good. Yeah, he's a lame duck now. Yeah. Oh. oh. I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen with Jari, but you know, a month ago we were all ready to just shoot Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph into the moon, and well, just saying. It, yeah, I mean, with how volatile goaltending is, the bottom could fall out very quickly. Uh, Arnold Arnold Slick asks at this point on December third, December twenty third, twenty nineteen, what AAV would you offer Matt Murray in his next contract? I I can't make a number yet. Like I need to see what he does. Yeah, I'm I'm pleading the fifth. Uh, Follow up from an analytics standpoint: Is Alex Galchenyuk as bad as he looks? Yes. (laughs) Actually, you know what, dude? It's probably worse. I bet you any money it's worse. I tweeted out the hero chart. On my, on my account, go take a look at it. It's bad. I'm talking like sub-fourth line production in some areas. So he's not a hero at all. Oh. <sighs> Let me correct myself, by the way. By the way. By the way. Because you worked so damn hard to roll it out. It's the skater chart from Bill Como at Billis127, I believe it is, on Twitter. Uh, I want to make sure I give him his due credit. We're using his resources because he put a lot of time into bringing this freaking thing back. You could look at it as a solo or as a compare uh, comparison. That's pretty Check cool. it out. Yeah, it's really good. Um, <clears throat> Evan Wilson asks, "Do you support the Grinch in his position of being a Grinch? He just wants to live a peaceful life atop his mountain with his dog. Meanwhile, the Who's are singing so loud as to be heard from the base of the mountain. Don't even get me started on the hazmat dump in his yard." No, nah, fuck that. Look. He can be a Grinch all he wants, but when you start screwing with other people's Christmases, you're a dick. I agree. And I don't I don't honestly think the singing was all that freaking loud. <laughs> it wasn't. But what let's, the who let's... should have done is pulled a Jay-Z and bought his place out and made him move. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it, it's a it's a popular meme. He wasn't anti-Christmas, just anti-people. Uh, Matt Schaefer asks, since you're recording on Festivus, air your grievances and also have a Merry Christmas. Do I have a lot of things to say about you two? I really don't. I like doing this podcast. You guys are great. 
Uh, I was driving um, on 376. Um, I, I inbound, was, or inbound or outbound? I was coming into the city, and I was right at the point where if you look to the right, you could see the cathedral. Okay. Yeah. Know where you're at. On this particular day, there was a truck in front of me owned by some company that I didn't catch the name of, and I wish I had because I'd expose them <laughs> on a show. And this truck was full of stuff, guys. That's all the way I could describe it to you. It was full of stuff. And this stuff was coming out of the back of this truck. And I was not in a position to change lanes, nor was the guy in front of me. Aaron Jones just had a nice run. I know. I'm watching. <laughs> regardless, my windshield's now cracked. Mm. And I'm Sorry pretty sure that. the guy in front of me got it way worse because I think something cr- like crunched his hood up. Oh, uh, so I got to get a new good. windshield. I'm pretty pissed about that. You know what? That's a grievance. Similar, I want to air. Similar. I got a grievance. I was coming back from Dayton, Ohio a couple weeks ago. Had a tournament. Jam City. I managed to bump into literally with my car the one person who wanted to turn a non-damage fender bender into an insurance claim i was at the sheets in wheeling west virginia and i was in one parking spot between myself and the person that i ended up hitting was a giant lifted truck, if you can imagine that, for West Virginia, because that seems so out of character for them. Sounds sounds unprecedented to me. So both of us had backed out of our spaces at the same time. They cut their wheel sooner than I did. I managed to bump into them. Did I knock a bumper off? Did I leave some dents? No. No, I did not. <laughs> But what did this guy want to do? Well, we got to call the police and I got to call my insurance agency. Do I really? The rain will wash away the damage. <laughs> it's a good airing. Show doesn't end until somebody pins Mike. Um, I don't really have a specific grievance to air other than the general statement that regarding online discussions, I wish people would. Do them, le- do them less, especially when it's something that doesn't matter at all. I have personally worked very hard to stop doing this. Let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's about all I got. Um, I do have one last question from Full Rossi. This is interesting to consider. Asks, who in the organization will be a Pittsburgh Penguin at the end of the 2020s? Notes that Crosby and Malkin and Latang are the only ones to have lasted the whole decade with the team recently. Almost Brian Rust, who was drafted six months into 2010. I thought about this because uh, I saw this question come through and I have an answer. I'm going out on a limb, but he got traded here. Obviously wanted to be a part of the organization. Has been given every opportunity to flourish John Marino. Mm-hmm. I think he's just the kind of guy um, who's settled in. Um, and how about, how about Jake Ansel? Yeah, that's well. I was going to give you guys the opportunity to present another answer. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say Marino Gensel and off the board pick Dumoulin. That's a really good one, man. That's yeah. a really really yeah. good one. Well, to the end of the 2020s, how old is he now? I I, I think he just becomes like the old guy you keep around until he retires. Okay, he is 28. See, that makes it tough. Four years to free agency, which takes you into 2024. I'm out on Dumoulin. I'm not. I, I think it's 2029, man. That's so far. Away. I just don't see it happening. I, you know what? I think like Dominic Simone will still be a penguin not scoring goals in 2029. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think 
I think realistically, like, he's just that guy that, like, he's going to take pay cuts to stay. Okay. Brandon Tanev will still be here because that's how long his contract's good for. Well played. I think that's all I got. Gentlemen, have a Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Merry Chrysler. Merry whatever it is you celebrate. I hope you have a good one, and I hope Hanukkah is great. I hope Christmas is great. Uh, I hope Kwanzaa is great. Yeah. I hope everything's great. If you don't I celebrate you anything, I hope you have a good week. Um, we'll probably we'll we'll see you next year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we, we really holding off till twenty twenty. No. Well, I mean, that's only like a week from now. True, true. It is. I'm just glad we got to pull. We got to get one in before before Christmas. Yeah, hopefully this uh, entertains some of you when you're commuting for the holiday. We will uh, talk to you folks again soon, and thanks for listening. See ya. See ya. See ya.